0: But all of that work was really connected to my purpose, which is always to support people to live into the full expression of who they really are, to support an organization to really live the full expression of who and what it really is. And the, and often companies start that way, but then they get really caught up in the detail. We run into challenges and then we, we lose the heart of it.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Denton's. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business we're a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow protect operate and finance your organization which is why dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight we're here to help you find business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, a lawyer and partner in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Juliana Bootsman, founder and CEO of White Box Leadership. Welcome, Juliana. Hello. Thank you for being here. I would love it if you could start us off by giving our listeners a little bit of background about yourself.
0: Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I am a conscious leadership coach and I work in um, businesses that are really uh, mindful and attentive and care about creating conscious cultures, creating cultures that are values aligned and not only are we clear on our values but we're intentional on how we live those values and so i work with companies on a coaching creating coaching um programming for their company and then creating human development training programs within the company that then get built into the operating model of the company to make sure that culture isn't just something that happens by accident but it's something that we are creating intentionally and can replicate so if a company is um you know, franchising or they want to be able to like continue to grow in other cities, they know how to then create that again in another space Um, or onboarding and all of that. We're not, we we're really intentional about knowing how to make sure we can sustain and create a culture that supports everybody to thrive.
1: That's really, really fun. I'm really curious to know how, so somebody comes to you and they say, Hey, we, we, you know, we love what you do. We want you to work with us. How do you know, how do you suss out which are the companies that actually want to do that as opposed to saying, hey, like we're trying to check a box of saying we have really good culture and maybe they haven't actually, you know, bought into their values being aligned and and all of those things. How do you navigate that?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, first the company has to, if they can tell me their values clearly without having to go look it up, (laughs) that it probably matters. Okay. if um i can ask them um tell me define what your what your culture is what does your culture stand for yeah and so if they can do that um we know we're in a good place and okay. and and that's probably like clients that are like they've already been doing the work on them with themselves and then going, we know that we want a culture of compassion here. We know that we want a culture of community. We know that what we're creating here is a culture of innovation and creativity. So those types of things, being able to like be really clear on that. And then we, everything that we're, we're operating all of our communications and all of the ways that we show up within the business are, uh, tending to that and really looking at that. So sometimes, um, we have companies going like that go we we are wanting to create a space that people feel like they belong that people are really thriving that we're elevating our level of performance that we have less turnover mm-hmm. um and you know we've done some work and we we've got our values but our culture is like kind of untethered a little bit like we don't know where it is so then we'll start on on identifying that going okay well what i see that is missing here is we haven't clearly you haven't clearly identified what your culture is right how you can define it and then we'll start I, there
1: and and is does that sometimes happen it it occurs to me that that would maybe be common in is in a company that maybe had some rough stuff that have happened. So maybe they've lived through some things that uh, that they don't want to have repeated. They've had some, you know, as you say, maybe some turnover, some employee turnover, some things that are a bit unsettled. But then they've said, well, wait a minute, that that is maybe the situation right now, but we don't want to continue down that path. And so we'd like to take some steps to change our culture. So not necessarily that our culture's ideal right now. Maybe it's far from that, but we recognize that and we know maybe where we want to get to or what we want to get away from and then work on um trying to get from point A to point b. Is that does that make some sense?
0: Yeah, I think that there's uh, there's a sense of being able to sometimes it's um it's personal for like the leader like the CEO or the leader or yeah. whoever's working with that company and they they know what they want to be able to create there. And, um, and so it matters to them to create a place where people get to be at their best
1: Mm. and they leave
0: better than they came. And ultimately it affects the ROI of the company. Like when we have less turnover, when we have, uh, people that really being able to perform at their best, when you have a culture of where people are genuinely joyful and happy, your business is going to do better. And, and when people so,
1: pe- people have that opportunity to be engaged at mm-hmm. work, as opposed to any of the other things, they could be like scared at work or feeling disengaged. Um, of course, that's good for the bottom. It's good for everybody. It's good for the yeah. bottom line. It's good for morale. It's, it makes it a really, you know, a really um, positive experience
0: for people to work there, which just infiltrates everything that uh, yeah. that people do. Completely. So it'll be, it's twofold. It is like, the business has to work. It has to make money and it has to be able to deliver a good service, a product, whatever that is. And so selfishly, the sometimes the, the leader and CEO I'm working with be like, you know, selfishly, I like, I want us to grow and make a lot of money and do really yeah. good work. And I, and I just want to keep good people here. So like, that's it. And I also really care about the people that are working here. And I want them to be cared for. How do we do that? Yeah. yeah. How do we do that? And so when people are growing and thriving and feeling themselves, um, in a place of meaning and fulfillment, they're happy Yeah. and, yeah. and it affects everybody. Well, and one of the things is that doesn't only affect the company. Well, the lives of those people who work there, their home life, their other relate, like they leave better and their home life is better. So there's a case study that a company that I've, um, they're not a client of mine, but they are a company that uh, I was really inspired by. And um, the CEO is someone that I've uh, stayed connected with and is very generous in, um, you know, sharing what's supported them to go from being a $2.4 million company to a $5.4 billion company in 10 years. Any he attests it to their culture journey and to the work that they, they put into coaching and, um, personal and professional development programming internally in the organization. People so are cared. A, yeah.
1: Tell me a little bit more about that. So when you talk about, like, I'm interested in me and I don't know if you have, you said, it's not a client of yours, but I'm interested to know if you have the information or if you don't have the information, if you have a hypothesis, um, so when you do this coaching so they they grew from 2.4 million you know into the billions um over time and they they had to do that very consciously and very deliberately with a number of things but but on the aspect of the coaching do you know or do you think that that was just coaching of a couple of key people or is that coaching at an organizational level so that the principles
0: are actually you know being infiltrated Throughout the organization. It's a hundred percent on the organizational level.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Because uh, executive coaches and C-suite people, they, they receive mentorship. They have yeah. a higher level of education. Generally, they have more money to pay for coaching. And and so they often have received something like that and have invested yeah. in it in themselves along the way, or have been invested in it because that level receives that kind of training, yeah. but they're not actually the ones that touch most of the company and are working with most of the people. So, uh, in this, it, it, with this company in particular, but what I've seen in with clients and that I've worked with as well is when, um, you know, we, we call it like frontline level management yep. receives the coaching and the training. They have the largest reach into the company of course and they also don't often have access and haven't had access within their um career journey to coaching mm-hmm. and so it's that level of training and development and coaching that really he att like with this particular with their growth he he attests um it largely to integrating coaching into frontline level management
1: mm-hmm fascinating. And I would also expect I, I just like to sit here and hypothesize. Yeah. I would also expect that the C-suite that as you mentioned, they, you know, they've had more education, they've had more training. there's an expectation that they will have had some kind of coaching or uh, mentorship along the way. And if they have received that, so they are the beneficiary of having received that level of of coaching, and have benefited from it. Now they can buy into okay. Well, now this is why we need to deploy this um, throughout the rest of the organization because I it took me from you know place A to place B or you know along my my journey my journey in the C suite I have benefited from that and it has made such a difference. And so I think it would be easy for them to get on side with um, you know deploying that further into the ranks of the organization
0: yeah definitely. And I think, um and and again, there's times where not all not all c-suite levels do, of course, really um do the coaching work either, because it requires that that commitment to our own growth and self-awareness. and um, it takes courage and vulnerability to be able to really honestly look at yourself. Mm -hmm. And really go, where do I, where do I need to grow? Not just in my, the, not just in my um, craft and in my direct skill, but in who I am as a human being in relationship to the, to the work and the people and the community in my life. And, and so it's that piece when we're, we, we still, our businesses are still run by human beings. And, and I, our relationship and how we communicate and how we connect with ourselves, with the people we work with and with our community, that is our organization and our clients and, and, and onward from there. When we become and grow in our level of mastery in that self-awareness and our ability to communicate in on all levels, which means not just spoken word communication or written word communication but that more um what we call like the global level listening or mm-hmm. connection where we are we as human beings are aware of how things feel whether we own it or not right you know right. when you walk into a room you know when you've been ruminating over something but not speaking about it So the more open we get to be with owning what's really going on in our space, the cleaner and the, um, stronger our, uh, our, um, communication really is and our connections really are. Yeah.
1: Amazing. I'm really curious to know what your original inspiration and there might've been, you know, like some, some multiple events, but what was the original inspiration for you to create white box?
0: Yeah. So I started my company. uh, Um, I started out in marketing communications in PR. So when I started white box, um, in 2011, uh, I was working with a marketing firm. I had, uh, was pregnant with my first child Mm -hmm. and, um, I wasn't able to go back into the workplace in the way that I wanted to as Mm -hmm. a mom with a new child. And I wanted to be able to have more flexibility. I didn't want to have to pay for childcare full-time to be able to go to work. And the opportunities to kind of have some of my own contract and freelance work was coming up. So I started it that way and then work just kind of kept coming in. And so, um, yeah, so that is how I kept going, Um, began it that way. And when I transitioned White Box, to, um, white box community, it was white box communications when I was doing that, where I transitioned to white box leadership was when I began to see that, um, that there was a disconnect between the communication materials and, um, everything that I was creating for the company. So whether it means we were creating the new brand, we were creating their vision, mission values, and really identifying that with them or we were creating the messaging for a PR campaign. But all of that work was really connected to my purpose, which is always to support people to live into the full expression of who they really are, to support an organization to really live the full expression of who and what it really is. And And often companies start that way, but then they get really caught up in the detail and the the, the logist, all of the things that keep the business going, that sometimes we can lose the heart of why we started in the first place. Yeah. Because the business takes over all of the things that become difficult and hard that we didn't expect take over. We run into challenges and then we we lose the heart of it. And so when I would work with companies in that space, I, what I saw was I could give them all of the things that gave them the new look, the new feel, the new messaging, and brought them closer to who they say they really are. But I, they weren't always taking it away and really living it. And at that point, I already knew that coaching was a direction that I was going to be going. Mm -hmm. And I had, um, my first profession was as a professional dancer. uh, and then I went into coaching and training and working with dancers. And when I worked with dancers, um, I worked with them not only on their craft, but I worked with them on their mental game and really Mm -hmm. on connecting into the more connected they were with who they were and their, their mental space, the better they danced and they didn't have to necessarily train more. So we could train their mind and their like soul to live in its expression and their actual dancing got better. So bringing that into the business context, it's the same thing. We get better at what we do when we're healthier and we're more clear in our mind and in our spirit and our soul to be able to sustain the long game. So with all of that, the marketing communication work started to feel out of integrity for me because I was handing off this stuff, but then I could see that they weren't doing the things internally to live and be who they said they wanted to. Mm. And that's when I began to transition the company into going like, we need to be investing what we're investing in marketing communications into our people so that they are the lived expression of the brand. They are the lived expression of this community, of who speaking and saying who you are. And that, that has to be trained and cultivated and, and nurtured over time. We are human beings and we're extremely forgetful. Mm -hmm. I heard it shared um, on another podcast and they were talking about in Islam, I believe that the name of human actually translates to forget. (laughs) Seems appropriate based on what I know. Yeah, we do, and um, it can be hard to be human. And so we we you continue to cultivate and train an environment. You know, you, if you want to be a runner, you have to run every day.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Otherwise, you stop, and you're not going to be running the way you were anymore. If we want to be um, that the, live this, if we want to be the expression of these values on our wall, we have to be practicing those values every day in our lived work.
1: Yeah. I'm interested to know, again, I just, I'm an armchair hypothesizer. So that's, that's what I do best. Um, And so when you, as a marketing, like you come in from a marketing perspective and you are asked, you know, the company says, help us create, you know, some documentation or some messaging around an event, a brand, a service, whatever it is. And if, if, did you, Find like where you kind of had this light bulb moment of like, there's actually a better purpose here, or I could help companies in a different way. Did you find that there was a disconnect between perhaps the external message? So we want you to create a a brand, a campaign for, you know, product or service versus maybe some of that internal communication, like when they would be working on like mission, vision, values that is more internal. Of course, that gets used in external communications as well. But what did some companies have it together internally, but not externally or vice versa, or if they didn't have it together, was that
0: everywhere Uh, it it could be a bit of both. The companies okay. that when we talk about like having it together, meaning they really do they really are living,
1: yeah, like yeah. their values they're yeah, just exactly.
0: naturally that um they they didn't need as much marketing communicate they didn't need as much support right. on the other side because they just are it interesting. And so, so, and this is where like on the balance sheet, on the budget sheet by working with organizations is like the m- amount of money that's put into marketing communications to actually put that into your internal. And then right. what you, what you're putting exactly. into your internal, put that into your, cause usually it's skewed. It's like, you know 80% into the marketing communications all of that and 20% into like training and really cultivating and caring and putting in that um consistent work inside the company to flip those yeah yeah, I
1: wonder if, um, you know, as a, uh, uh, so I, I'm an armchair hypothesizer and then also a diagnostician um, mm-hmm. from my armchair as well. And so if companies are, are saying, hey, we just need to, like this, the, we have a problem, which is our brand isn't known or, you know, we, we, we don't, there's no, nec- not necessarily a great product market fit for whatever reason. So the solution is just let's dump a lot of money into marketing. And of course you have to do some, like, of course, of course you have to spend some money on that. But if that's the only lever that they want to pull or push or, or whatever they need to do in order to you know take, up, take you from point A to point B, I wonder if they looked at it differently to say, maybe a little bit less on the marketing, but let's figure out our culture, let's figure out our vision, let's figure out where we fit, how we fit. And maybe that just leads to better alignment such that you don't have to continue to spend a ton on getting this message that maybe you haven't even articulated appropriately out into the marketplace
0: yeah it's a both end. it's it's also like you you end up finding the solutions for how you're going to spend that marketing dollars in right. such so much more of an effective way yeah and amazing. so um when i when i worked in pr there was organized so one of the stories that i share is um i was working with uh um in edmonton we have a, a we had a show called the Edmonton singing Christmas tree. So they were, I did all their marketing and advertising communications and we wanted to do a halfway to Christmas um, event to kind of remind people that's coming to begin to like, start to like put it in people's radar to like plan for this at Christmas. And so instead of just like doing a PR campaign or like buying a bunch of ads and putting it out there, we came back to like, why does the singing Christmas tree exist? Mm. So you always come back to like, why do we matter? What do we really want to do? So instead of just doing a marketing campaign, I said, well, let's live into our values. So I guided them into living into the values of of what they stand for, why they exist, and they exist to be able to raise money for um, mental health, for um, like, they're to really give money back into the community. With the singing Christmas tree, we wanted to be able to raise awareness halfway to christmas to be able to already have people start to put it in their calendars for christmas to about this event and to Get organized. And, yeah, yeah and to be able to like be thinking about it and rather than just doing an ad campaign and you know buying a bunch of things and kind of putting out there i um guided them to really come back to what do they stand for as an organization why do they exist what are their values and then what can we do about that that can bring attention in the same way. And Mm -hmm. so, and, and live our values and our purpose. And so with that, there was a few different things we did in a few years um, over a couple of years, but one of the years we had decided to um, spend the money that we would have spent on a marketing budget and give all of that money to a school and buy them all new instruments for their music room. And then we invited media in to tell that story. So we use that angle to be able to say, let's contribute to the community. We'll invite the media in to tell the story for us. And, and we're really giving back to the community. So it's going like, what is the dollars we have to spend? and how do we live into our values more? And what did that do for the community and on and on and on one of the other times. And this was, um, we were, we raised money. I think, um, we had a a $5,000 budget for this halfway to Christmas And, um, this one was more about, we really wanted to reach make the reach as far as we could. So Mm -hmm. this particular one, I had an idea that, um, what if we had skydiving Santas and everybody was like, oh yeah, how do you do that? But I just pursued the idea. And so this is one of the things too, in, um, really clear on what we knew we wanted. We knew we wanted a large reach. We knew we really wanted to get big coverage. What gets big coverage, um, bolds like something like unique, interesting, colorful, oh. that's, what's going to get front page. That's what the cameras are going to want to see. So I was really clear on what we knew we wanted and we spent all the money on that. So we, I, like said, we don't need anything else. We're just going to spend this amount. And then we ended up being able to still donate. So the extra money that would have gone to like making any sort of a blip in a marketing campaign, we donated that money to the foundation instead of spending it on marketing. So like staying in going like Santa actually skydive. So we had 12 Santas that skied uh, that, that landed in Louise McKinney park, like right downtown. I had to cut like, the fact that it happened, like, it's still like, we're like, how did you make that happen, Juliana? I'm like, I just kept pursuing the idea.
1: I just, I just
0: didn't say, I just, yeah, just had to make it happen. I, I so, yeah, so that's, that's those types of things. And we got national coverage across. Amazing, of course, of course. And people still talk about that. It's still something that they remember. So it's in, in the work that I do, and I've got a keynote that I offer um, that I call Becoming Unforgettable, and the ways that we really become unforgettable in our lives. So as an organization, how do you really become unforgettable? As a leader, how do you become unforgettable? And when for we're all un- the right reasons. For all the all right the- reasons. Right, and when right, we're right. when we are unforgettable, it means we've left a touched mark that guides people back to something good that supports them to sustain um, a longer-term outcome. And yep. the coolest thing about that is that it often doesn't take more money or more time which are the two primary reasons why we say we can't do something
1: yep yep it, it takes a- shift a shift in
0: thinking and being yes. really
1: intentional about uh, the deployment of those resources
0: yeah a-, a shift in thinking and a willingness to do it yeah yeah to go oh yeah i had this thought let me act on that now who yeah. knew that santa was a skydiver but now he's got a new skill set yeah. It was so, it was so fun and so cool. And so one of the models that I teach and that I, um I have a program on is I call it COA, which stands for it K O A no own act. And so okay. in this model, what I, what I teach in it, it often ends up in most of the programs that I build for companies, but it's not often a matter of, we don't know what to do. Yeah. We've read all the books. We've listened to all the podcasts. We've heard all the stories we've done the teachings. Um, so, you know, you've, you in organizations, they've, they do the PD work, they've sent people to what, you know, the programs or this and that. So it's not always a matter of knowing it's a matter of integrating and owning what I need to personally to actually create this change of behavior and this consistent, um, consistency in my work, in my life, in all of those things. And so the work around the, O, which is own, is where we really um, see change, hmm. and then A stands for act. And what happens when we really do the owning work in an organization, which is integrating the coaching and the training programs, and you know, and having that in there to support your people to really identify and get be able to have humble, honest um, uh, reflection and conversations around what really is happening, why it might be happening how we can change it. And there being so much humility in that. So there's no shame or blame or judgment. It's like, we're all growing and learning. You know, we talk about being able to be a culture that um, embraces failure and celebrates it because we're never going to get it right all the time and right. willingness to try and go, Oh, that didn't work. But what was, what were, where are we on track and where to, where can we keep going with it? So what happens in the owning is that the action then becomes a default behavior, not a forced behavior. Right, and, leading out
1: of what you've owned.
0: Yeah, and I, I've i yeah. experienced in my own life, I see it in clients I work with, like where the thing that they had been trying so hard to like make happen is just happening to the point that they're almost like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that thing that I've been wanting to be able to do for so long. And it's just like, I'm just waking up with ease now. I'm not trying yeah. to get out of bed without pressing snooze five times. I'm just organizing my calendar better. I'm managing my time. My time is like feeling easier. I don't feel less. And yep. often what's happening is we've removed what, what I call like the leaky energy Yeah. and you're bumping up to less conflict within yourself. You're feeling right. more confident in your interactions and conversations to be able to like handle challenging things without, uh, without offense being offended or depleted or diminished um yeah it's just operating from a much higher place of sort of wisdom if i can even yeah. say it and um so that's that model has been really transformational and you know i was just on a call yesterday and and um and i w- they were sharing with me that i w- i was in an argument with my wife and i used that in a conversation kind of thing so it's like being able to share the things that you teach inside your organization, go home and become useful there too.
1: There as well. Yeah. And when people's
0: people's home lives are better, their work lives are better. And it's both of of course. So as an organization, we have the ability to really, really transform people's lives, um, which then makes the shift and change in, in the world. I believe that business is the place where we can make the greatest shift in this on our planet. Yeah. And because it's the place where people do show up every day. So as an organization, as a leader, there's so we, we have such a responsibility. But the opportunity to steward people's lives in in a really positive way, and it doesn't need to be overly complicated.
1: I love that. I love the, you know, the building blocks of, um, you know, failure is okay, we can learn from failure, we can move forward, and we can really manage people's expectations around you don't have to get it right all the time. But let's, you know, get on a path that will help us consistently move closer towards that goal. And let's have the flexibility to be able to First of all, reflect on that and then adjust as, as we need to. And what I really like about what you're articulating is that it, it just, it just makes it easy, right? Like just, we don't need to like invent something crazy, but let's just figure out what it is. And then if we can apply that consistently, um, it sounds like there's, you know, lots of transformations available. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you a question. So you, you were describing in the stories that you have shared, you were describing the, the challenges that organizations that you've worked with, how they've had some challenges um, that have caused them to reach out to you uh, and they want to make some changes. And you also talked about how you, you were pregnant with your first child and you wanted to go back to the work world in a little bit of a different way. And then you, you did that. And then you pivoted once you, you know, saw an opportunity that was a little bit different. What, challenges have you had in white box leadership when or or I guess prior to that in communication um being your own kind of solo entrepreneur I'm sure it all sounds great it all sounds like there's you know great things but what are the unexpected challenges you've had to overcome
0: yeah I think that um they've it's it's shift they've been different as depending on where i am in the nature of the work that i was doing yep um i think one of the challenges is you know overcoming um myself oh you know in the sense of the what um being able to and what i mean by that is uh we often are the ones that put the most limitations on ourselves Yeah. And recognizing those moments. So like using my own model of COA Mm. of being able to go, where are all the times that I catch myself saying, yeah, I know, I know. Mm. And I'm not owning and I'm not doing it. And uh, as a a mother of two now running my own company, the times where I see myself getting caught in the same sort of busyness of that is out of alignment with, with the way that I am guiding clients mm-hmm. the way that I, the vision I have for what's possible in business, the vision, I have what's possible in, in creating harmony. I use the mm-hmm. word harmony rather than balance between like work and home and personal and professional, um, harmony require offer offers us the understanding that there's levels and tones and shifts and changes. And that's what makes things really beautiful. It's right. never even, Right. We're aware right. of like when the tones are in the shifts and things are changing and we can be with that, but there'll be times where I get, I get caught up in, um, the need to just feel like I have to keep doing, 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 mm-hmm. and I'm not attending to my being to me, myself and caring for that. And when that begins to, ha- when I'm out of alignment there, um, I, everything feels like more of a struggle. Mm. And so as a solo entrepreneur, it's often uh, looking for where can I really ask for help? Yeah. Where do I yeah. need to put, put things in place? What do I need to say no to? Yep. Yeah. Um, and really being clear on my priorities. And so, and even when it feels hard, you know, cause. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Especially when it feels hard.
0: Yeah. Especially when it feels hard, because it's really important that I'm there for my kids when I pick them up from school. And that they have my presence and attention and uh, in the, in the world of work and professional, like that's has not been the norm, you know, you are awarded for how much time, how hard you put your work in. I heard this beautiful thing recently. And, and, um, this, uh, the speaker was sharing, you know, we weren't taught how, um, we were taught that you got to work hard. You got to like, you know, study hard. You got to do all that hard, but we weren't taught about doing it lovingly or joyfully. Interesting. And yeah. so um, really staying to my own guiding principles and my own values and staying attuned to that. And so it's like, I, I walk the walk. Yep. And, and also and that
1: makes you a better leader and with yeah. the work that you're doing with companies, when you, ha- you know, when you have that challenge, but you are aware of that challenge and you are working on overcoming that challenge because it's the same challenge that everybody yeah. in, in an organization feels that, to some degree, right? Less, yeah. more or less.
0: And, and, and in that holding myself to the mirror of going, exactly. what are, where are you, where am I in alignment or out of alignment with what I say it is that I want and who it is that I, that I say I am and really know that I am. And so that's a constant, that's constant work. And so that's the work that we bring into the companies and that we work with leaders and others on and with a huge amount of compassion because we're, um, we meet ourselves in that place of compassion so that we can keep going and know that like, you're never going to get it right all the time. And Yeah. And, and, and being able to be honest about that, I think yep. has been where the growth is. And so, yeah. So I don't know if I answered that question, but yeah, that no, was I my, love, I love when that you answer. said that, I was like, you know, I can't put it on, you know, cause there's lots of other hard things, you know, right now. Um, one of the things is that sometimes as a, uh, in the position I is that I can take it all, all the work on myself and feel like right. I'm the one that needs to own it all. And that's not an uncommon leadership thing and yep. something that we run into companies and managers. It's like, um, learning to where, what does it look like to create more of a team? And I just, I'm better when I am creating with other people. Oh, good. And Talking so, about,
1: uh, creating, I know you have another initiative, a little bit outside of, um, white box leadership. Do you
0: want to tell us a little bit about what this, this new project is that you're, uh, you're exploring? Yeah. So, Um, similar, not similar, but similar essence to, you know, when this, when an idea comes in. So this idea of like, I'm going to have 12 Santa skydivers dressed like Santa's land in the middle of downtown halfway to Christmas. I'm going to make that happen because that idea came and it feels really cool and it's aligned and it makes sense. So um, I, I started everything that I do and that I, that I teach and that I bring, it's always about coming back to like the core purpose of who are we, what Mm. matters most to us and how do we live that and share that with the world? Because when Mm. we're doing that, we are creating harmony and we are making a difference in the world. So there's a reason you started your company there's a purpose behind it. There's something in you that matters to you. When we can stay attentive to that, it'll keep guiding us on our path of life with whatever the next thing is. So about a year and a half ago, I began um, this journey in this water healing modality called Watsu. I mm-hmm. love the water. I mm-hmm. was, um, I, I received a treatment and by the end of the first treatment, I was like, I think I need to learn to do this. <laughs> so it became like my extra side thing that was like fun. And I'm going to school for this, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. to learn
0: this new thing the same way where someone wants to like pick up painting again, and they're going to go take their art classes or whatever. And what I started to experience and see was how effective this modality was to support in things I was working with my coaching clients on. Oh. So, um, so sometimes I call it like my land coaching now and my water coaching, <laughs> like my, I'm, uh-huh. I got land and water work. Mm-hmm. And often when we really, you know, get down to the core in, in a coaching call of like what people are wanting, they're wanting peace peace of mind. They're wanting connection. They're wanting to love. They're wanting to feel, um, um, you know, joy and alive, and they're wanting to feel inspired. Like it's those types of things. And so in the water with clients, they will access that state sometimes on the first session. Wow. And the ability to get there and access that then creates a new neuropathway pathway. Within us to be able to know that that exists now, and then we can return there with more ease, and then begin to have that experience be something that we have more often than not. Um, Even on land, even Even. on land, yes, because now we have now there's like I actually like have a felt experience, an embodied experience of that exists in me. I actually have, I I have felt it, yep, and so now I can go back to that place. And interestingly enough, like a lot of people in sessions, when we kind of really will go to like, you know, where is a place that feels that supports you to have that. And people will say, you know, the water, the ocean, the things like that. And so being able to actually take people into the water, I've seen um, people with like years of PTSD, going to therapy, psychology, whatever. And in one session, they'll say to me, I have gone to therapy for eight years to feel this feeling I have experiencing right now after this wow. one session or yeah. people with like chronic back pain for years, yeah. haven't felt relief after one session, they begin, they've felt like no pain, you know, for a session of 12 hours, a 12 hour span. And then after, you know, a handful of other sessions, pain is gone. Nothing like wow. gone. Amazing. Um, the, um, regulating the nervous system. So that's something that's really present. Like we, we really live in our workspaces with a high level anxiety, stress, dysregulation. Yep. And when we're operating ourselves and our businesses in a place of dysregulation. It doesn't serve well over the long term. Right. So the water, we are more water than anything else. So the water regulates our nervous. Really does. Like in one session, people will feel that regulation and just feel a deep sense of peace and calm and that can extend into their real life. So after having done this work, I was inspired to want to keep bringing it forward, but there was a gap in the market where we don't have pools for water therapy. Yeah. Um, they don't exist really anywhere. Yep. Um, there's the odd one in a physio clinic here or there, but not in the way that we do this work. So I would, I thought I could sit here and keep complaining about the fact that there's no pools and the vision kept clear. Like I could see the space of what it is. So then I thought, well, someone's going to build this. Juliana, it might as well be you. Very so fine. I started down the work, the, the, the path of, uh, being, of opening up a hydrotherapy spa sauna and wellness center that would then have one-to-one water therapy, um, treatment rooms and, From the moment the idea came through, everything just kept flowing. And so often this is where you like, you know, we say we follow the tracks of like the next thing. And so I'd met this um, beautiful woman who is a spa consultant, has built spas all over around the world, and is just inspired by my idea and wanted to work with me. And then I'm then we have a building that was a, that they already had it pinned in that they wanted a sauna in their space. So then we're like, okay, we've got a space uh, that they're really excited about having something like this in it. And then, um, met an architecture company that wants to be a part of it. And like all of the pieces kept coming together. I was introduced to you about, you know, what does that look like to have, um, you know, investors invest in this product and, and in this, this opportunity and how do I go down and all of this for me, I haven't run a bricks and mortar business. So there's so much of this is just like, so out of my wheelhouse, I don't run a spa and work in that space, but but you might, but I might, and I do, I, I, what I have practiced and what I, my work is about is staying to the core intention of why we're doing what we do. And with that, we can continue to flow and lead and put all the pieces together. And, and so again, like your question about a solo entrepreneur piece is like, when I, when the, when I can build the right team around me. yep. So often I would, you know, I would, depending on my projects, I would just bring people on board. So with this, it's like the right people who really care about the purpose of this project, which isn't just about creating like a really nice space. That's kind of cool. And we get to go like, but it really is about having a space where people can go and experience renewal, bring us back to the integrity of the water. And like, um and see and support harmony and healing and we we're not putting it out there as a place that is like come and be healed but right. we get when we are in a relaxed and restored state our body does and our mind and our we get better
1: yeah and Amazing. so
0: so yeah so I've been on that venture and learning so much and the piece around it that's been so incredible is the more honest I am about what I don't know mm. and yeah. and. And the my clarity on what I'm doing seems to be inviting all these people in that just want to help and teach and support. Yeah. And it's been so um, beautiful as a woman in entrepreneurship, in leadership, and in this new venture to experience that support. And yeah. so it's been rewriting the programming for me of a story of I'm not supported Yep. I don't know if that's common for women, but it's a story that I carried as I'm not supported, um, a rebuilding of trust yep. in the space of working in business. And, um, as a woman in business where you're the minority and, you know, yep. it's men that are running the show. So it's been really a, really a beautiful experience. And I feel so much gratitude and, and, you know, we are in the process of raising 3 million for the project. And, um, and wherever that goes at this time, like we've just been winning the whole way along because we're learning so much.
1: That's, that's amazing. And I love how it's a, it's an offshoot. I mean, it could, you know, obviously completely stand on its own, but I love how it's an offshoot of what you've been living and, and doing in your, in your sort of leadership and in your coaching along the way. And this is just another method, another modality, as you say, to be able to, to access and and to be able to potentially reach different people because of course you know not everybody is a water baby but they all should be really so <laughs> you know just a different a different way to um, to reach out to people well we're going to watch with a lot of interest to see how that develops and to um, you know to hear the rest of the story once that chapter is a little bit further evolved but for now where can our listeners find out more about white box and about you
0: So they can find me at Um, whiteboxleadership.com. They can find me on LinkedIn at Juliana Bootsman. And I think anywhere that I am, I've got a YouTube up with a couple of my speaking, um, you know, just a taste of what my speaking work is. And um, yeah, so, you know, if Juliana Bootsman, you Google me, you'll find it and whiteboxleadership.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today.
0: Thank you so much, Heather. It was really a pleasure.
1: Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.